You're listening to Expanding Horizons, the podcast of the Unitarian Church of South Australia, a home of progressive spirituality and free religious thought and action since 1854. The views expressed in these podcasts are those of the speaker and are not intended to represent the position of the church itself or of the worldwide Unitarian Universalist movement. For more information, visit unitariansa.org.au. see a few coming up from the city. So we do have one apology today from the musician. Brendan's come down with COVID. So hence I'm replacing him with a machine. And that actually fits very well with the theme today because I'm going to be talking about reality. But I would like to acknowledge that we're on the traditional lands of the Paramount people and uh, we respect their elders and all Aboriginal elders past and present. We are a free-thinking community. We contribute to our democratic society. We draw on the insights of our own tradition, of our Christian heritage, and the insights of other religions and philosophies, in order that we might be fully ourselves and to love each other better. And now I invite John to come up and give the reading for today. It might be easier if you just uh, do it from there, John. Yes. Here is what one of the evil agents said to the hero, Neo, in the Matrix film. I tried to classify your species, and I realised that you're not actually mammals. Every mammal on this planet instinctively develops a natural equilibrium with the surrounding environment. But you humans do not. You move to an area and you multiply and multiply until every natural resource is consumed. The only way you can survive is to spread to another area. There is another organism on this planet that follows the same pattern. Do you know what it is? A virus. Human beings are a disease. Well, that's a nice gloomy introduction to... Thank you, John. Have you got a joke? No, I do the jokes in this place. Um, Back in 1999, there was a very successful Hollywood film called The Matrix. And it was successful enough that there were two sequel films, my opinion, not as good as the original, but that's often how it is. There was a fair bit of violence in it, but I'm leaving that to one side. There's a wonderful proclamation originally attributed to a fictional journalist We're not here to comfort the afflicted, 
but to afflict the comfortable. That was probably said in pre-Murdoch days, I think. Uh, but it's a very suitable saying for Unitarians Indeed. as well. In the spirit of uncomfortable exploration, I, I reflect today on the world depicted in this modern myth, the Matrix. The story is premised on the proliferation of AI, artificial intelligence, what you might call robots, across the earth. The AI develops its own project of domination, however, to make human beings subservient. Humans become so desperate that they trigger nuclear explosions, hoping that the cloud enveloping the Earth will starve the robots of the solar energy they need for power. The robots adapt to the situation, however, and they place almost all human beings on life support systems in vats so that they can feed from the electric currents running through the human bodies. The humans don't complain because a computer program transmits virtual reality into their brain whereby they can experience all of the things that we take for granted every day. A house, a shopping, a walk in the park, and so on. A hero is freed from the Matrix, however, and taken on board a spaceship which represents unfettered, true reality. On board there is a wise man by the name of Morpheus. The name is ironic, since it is also the name of the Roman god of sleep, yet this individual is one of the few human beings really awake to the enslavement of humanity. Morpheus explains the scenario to the hero in the following terms. Let me tell you why you're here. You know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You've felt it your entire life. There's something wrong with the world. You don't know what, but it's there like a splinter in your mind, driving you mad. It is this feeling that has brought you to me. Do you know what I'm talking about? The matrix. Do you want to know what it is? The matrix is everywhere. It's all around us, even now in this very room. You can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. The truth that you are a slave. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. Like the choice between complacency and bold sacrifice faced in the Martin Scorsese film, The Last Temptation of Christ, Morpheus gives the hero in the Matrix a choice. He says, Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill, the story ends, you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. Morpheus instructs the hero as follows. Sooner or later you're going to realise, just as I did, there's a difference between knowing the path and walking the path. Which, I might say, is an unfortunate truth for those who approach spiritual growth only through the intellect. 
After appropriate training, the hero of the film mentally descends into the computer program, which is deceiving the vast majority of captive humanity into believing a false existence. He is opposed by agents which operate in the same way our antivirus software might detect and disable a computer virus on our home computer. The agents come across as evil, but really they are just carrying out a function objectively to ensure that there is no interference to the running of the program. After many challenges and casualties, the hero not only survives, but also comes to understand himself, his mission, and the nature of the Matrix. It would be too much to call it a happy ending, but there is some hope for humanity at the end of it. The Matrix film explores the nature of reality itself. One of the characters, by the name of Merovingian, is a determinist. He sees everything that happens, even the choices made by apparently free human beings, as predetermined, since they always arise from a combination of prior factors and causes. As the determinist character puts it, soon the why and the reason are gone, and all that matters is the feeling itself. And this is the nature of the universe. We struggle against it, we fight to deny it, but it is, of course, pretense. It is a lie. Beneath our poised appearance, the truth is we are completely out of control. Causality. There is no escape from it. We are forever slaves to it. Our only hope, our only peace, is to understand it, to understand the why. Why is what separates us from them, you from me. Why is the only real source of power. Without it, you are powerless. And this is how you come to me. Without Wi-Fi, without power. Another link in the chain. Another character in The Matrix is simply known as the architect. The one who wrote the computer program, which is fed into the brains of the bulk of humanity. It's a kind of modern myth drawing on Christian, Gnostic, and Buddhist archetypes. The hero of the story possesses unique insight and abilities. He literally descends into a world in order to save humanity, which may sound familiar to you. The world to which the hero of the Matrix descends is not the world of all things bright and beautiful, which we regularly celebrate. It is a world of illusion, this scenario is heretical relative to Orthodox Christianity, but is unexceptional in Buddhism, Gnosticism, and the Sufis. In each of these alternatives to Christianity, there is the prospect of exceptional human beings willing to face the challenges of saving humanity, even if humanity doesn't realise it needs saving. Not that this concept is foreign to the Western tradition, there are very strong parallels to the allegory of the cave described by Plato in Book 7 of the Republic. Indeed, it may have been from the Greek philosophers that the Gnostics, who rivaled Orthodox Christianity for several hundred years in the Eastern Mediterranean world, may have derived their concept of a secondary creator god, which is inferior to the truly supreme being, powerful enough. To create this world, however, in which there is so much pain and suffering. 
Plato described an audience of human beings manacled to their seats watching a picture show in a cave. There's a fire burning behind the people, and between the fire and the back of the people, there are puppeteers, moving shapes, which in turn project moving shadows upon the wall of the cave in front of the people. Because the people bound to their seats have only ever known the moving shadows, they believe that what they see is indeed reality. Somehow, as Plato describes it, a philosopher breaks free from the chains and edges towards the entrance to the cave. Upon reaching the fire, the philosopher realises that the people are only seeing a shadow play, but the philosopher has not yet comprehended reality. When the philosopher goes on to exit the cave and look at the sun, the eyes are blinded with the intense light, but this painful revelation is the encounter with the ultimate reality. Valuing the prisoners in the cave as much as the philosopher's own freedom, the philosopher returns to the cave to see if the people can be rescued. Not only does the returning philosopher struggle with the blackness of the interior of the cave, but the philosopher also finds that the prisoners would rather kill someone interfering with news of salvation than be distracted from the entertainment of the shadow play. They will not accept the suggestion that there's any other reality. Yet what is reality? As Morpheus challenges the hero in the Matrix film, quote, how do you define real? If you're talking about what you can feel, what you can smell, taste and see, then real is simply electrical signals interpreted by your brain. I think perhaps if Plato had known about computers, he may well have written this film script of The Matrix. The essence of Platonic philosophy is that there is a world of ideation, a world of ideas of things, the ultimate reality, which merely manifests in forms, which we can comprehend with our senses. This concept of split-level reality influenced Christianity, Kabbalah, and Western esoteric traditions. I'm not sure if you find the distinction between ideas and forms useful. As one of Woody Allen's characters says, I'm not crazy about reality, but it's still the best place to get a decent steak. <laughs> you will find, however, in many religions around the world that there is an emphasis on detaching ourselves from the material and focusing on the spiritual, storing up our treasure in heaven rather than on earth. Treading the spiritual path is not easy, of course, as Morpheus says in the Matrix film, quote, Believe me when I say we have a difficult time ahead of us, but if we are to be prepared for it, we must first shed our fear of it. I stand here before you now, truthfully unafraid. Why? Because I believe something you do not? No. I stand here without fear because I remember. I remember that I'm here not because of the path that lies before me, but because of the path that lives behind me. Now, in case you're sitting there thinking this movie script and this old Greek philosophy aren't for you, uh, for those of you of a Christian heritage, I leave you with the comparable words of Jesus as reported in the book attributed to Luke, chapter 21, verses 34 to 36. Watch yourselves, 
lest your heart be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day comes upon you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place. Now, that doesn't mean that we stop eating or stop working or stop paying our council rates. The point is that while we undertake our duties to ourselves and our family and our community, we see it for what it is. And it counts for nothing unless we are earnestly becoming kinder and more gracious in our lives. It is heroic work requiring the discipline and dedication of the hero, the Buddha, the Christ. So ends my reflections today. We hope you've enjoyed this Expanding Horizons podcast. These podcasts are the intellectual property of the presenter. They can be used only with the express permission and appropriate acknowledgement of the presenter. This permission can be obtained by emailing admin at unitariansa.org.au. Please feel free to leave a comment or visit us on Facebook or Twitter by searching SA Unitarians or by visiting our website at unitariansa.org.au.